Well, good morning, Edinburgh. Hey, have I told you lately I love you? <laughs> oh, I do. I love this church. I love you. And I, I especially just want to say thank you to all of our volunteers who helped us pull off uh, an awesome Harvest Fest uh, this last Wednesday. Uh, over 100 volunteers it took to pull that off, and you guys stepped up and made it happen. Way to go, Edinburgh. Can we give our volunteers just a round of applause? We truly do have the best volunteers, I believe, in the country at this church. Uh, you guys are amazing, whether that be stuff happening on Wednesdays, uh, stuff happening on Sundays. You guys are making a difference for God's kingdom. Uh, we do this because we want to show our neighbors the love of Jesus Christ. That's our hope, is that God's kingdom would grow through the ministry taking place here at Edinburgh. Over uh, 450 pounds of candy was donated, all right? Uh, that's almost as much as I can bench press, okay? <laughs> If you believe that, I really like you, all right? <laughs> that's, that's over 50 pounds more than we, uh, we had donated last year. We had our highest crowd attendance uh, ever for Harvest Fest, okay, based on the prizes we gave away and the food that went. So, Edinburgh, thank you for making a difference uh, here in our community. Uh, if you are a guest with us this morning, maybe it's because of Harvest Fest, I want to give you a warm welcome. We're family here. And so just sit back, relax. We're just glad you're, you're a part of what's going on uh, at Edinburgh Church. And uh, if you're watching online, I want to give you a warm welcome. We're glad you're tuned in as well. We're in this series called Simplify. And, and the goal, the hope of this series is to decrease your stress and give you more peace. More peace. So that you can experience God's blessing in your life, more of his blessing, but more than that, to be a blessing, to be in a place where you can be a blessing to other people. And uh, nothing gets in the way of our peace, like the topic we're going to deal with this morning, which is fear. All right, we're going to deal with the topic of fear uh, this morning, because fear disrupts the peace God wants us to have. Now, the good news is that uh, the Bible tells us and makes it very clear, God wants to give us peace. A peace that comes from him. It's a peace that the world cannot give. It's a peace that only he can give. But he wants you and me, he wants all people to have this peace. In fact, this is a blessing that was said over God's people in uh, the Old Testament. It comes from Numbers 6. We read this, May the Lord bless you and protect you. I'd say this to you right now. Let this be true of you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace, his peace. Jesus says this in John, the book of John, he says, I am leaving you with a gift. What is the gift? Peace of mind and heart. This is what Jesus can give us. He can give us peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world, and he can help us to overcome the world as well by giving us peace, despite our circumstances. Paul says this in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, something we've talked a lot about in this series, Present your request to God, and the peace 
of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You can see this is a theme throughout the scriptures. God wants you to have peace. He wants to move you from fear into a life of having more and more peace. Because let's be honest, how many of us have let fears, how many of us have let anxieties, how many of us have let worries get in the way of our pursuing our dreams? pursuing maybe something God has put in our heart that is his plan and his purpose for our life. How many of us can honestly say, and I just believe it's time for us to start dealing with these fears so that they don't get in the way any longer. I want you to fulfill the dreams and the plans and the purpose God has for your life. And so if you grabbed an outline, um, pro, you know, a handout on your way in, you'll see that there is an outline. And the, the first blank has to do with what is that fear you are struggling with? Just spend some time thinking about this. What, what's the fear that's gotten in the way of you fulfilling your dreams? Let me just give some common ones. I'll go quickly through these. Maybe it's financial ruin. Maybe it's that idea that, you know, if I started looking for another job because I'm just not happy in the job I'm in, I, I feel, in fact, like there's some stuff going on there that I, I just, I, that is wrong to be a part of. But if I start looking and my boss finds out, you know, I'm going to get fired and then I'm not going to be able to pay the bills and, and maybe it's that fear that keeps you from, from moving forward in life. Relational heartache. You know, if I have that conversation with my spouse or my boyfriend or girlfriend about some unhealthy things that are taking place, maybe they're going to leave me. So you just let it linger and continue to be unhealthy. Or maybe some of you, it's the fear I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. And, it, and, and it's led to some bitterness. This is the one I personally will tell you I uh, deal with. Unexpected bad news. Okay, Unexpected bad news. This is the, the fear of that phone call. You know what I'm talking about. Or that text message that says it's urgent. You need to get back to me. Honestly, this is something that haunts uh, my life, especially when it comes to my children. I have this haunting fear that something is going to happen to my kids. And um, for those of you who can relate to this, you know it's the worst when things are going well. It's like when everything's going good, that's when, I, that's when this creeps up and, and haunts me the most because it's like the shoe's got to drop, right? It, it, good things can't last forever. And it, and it haunts me. And it robs me of peace. Moral failure. Some of you are here this morning because there's something you told yourself you would never do again, and yet here you are. Um, and so you, you feel like a failure. You feel like you're out of control, like you don't even control your own actions. That can be a very scary place to feel. But maybe you feel afraid between your relationship with God. And maybe there's words like guilty or ashamed, um, condemned or unlovable that are going through your mind. That is one of the most terrifying places you can be. And, and friends, I want you to know if that's you this morning, I'm glad you're here. You're in the right place. Impending mortality. We all come to a place, you know, at some point in our lives where we realize we're not going to live forever. And that can be a fear that haunts us, cripples us, and keeps us from taking any kind of risk to live out the dreams and plans God has for us. Or just other, maybe it's something I haven't specifically mentioned this morning, but I want to bring our fears to the surface. I want to bring them to the light because we have a tendency to sweep them under the rug and pretend they don't exist even though they're there. And even though they continue to affect our life. So just write in that blank, what is that fear in your life? 
And what I'm going to do with the, our time this morning is I'm going to give us three steps that we can take to start the process of dealing with our fears. You know, sometimes we hear statements like, if you just have enough faith, then you won't have any more fears. Friends, that's an overstatement. That's just going to lead you to feeling very discouraged in life and defeated because we all have fears. God will do his part, but there are some things in, in our lives that we've got to do if we're going to start dealing and overcoming our fears. But before we jump into that, let me give you two kinds of fears. I want you to understand two kinds of fears. One kind of fear that I'm talking about this morning, one kind that I'm not. Again, if you're working through your outline, fill this in. Constructive fears. Okay, constructive fears. These are fears that are actually good. There are certain kinds of fears in your life that are good and healthy. There are certain kinds of fears in your life that are helpful, right? Uh, if you have an exam coming up and, you know, you need to study for that exam, have a real fear, like, I, I, need to, I need to get going. I need to, do, I need to do my homework. I need to study. That can be a help, helpful fear for your life. There's all kinds of helpful fears, constructive fears, that, that help us actually to walk in God's will. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 10. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy, destroy both soul and body in hell. All right? uh, the Bible teaches us that the, 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 the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And when we realize who God is and that this, our eternity is at stake, and the, the, this is a serious matter, it sobers us up and it helps us to start making wise decisions. Decisions that really do matter for our lives. We begin to realize that there's more than just material things, and we begin living for higher things, greater things, okay? That, that's a healthy, constructive fear in, in your life. We need to be reminded what God's Word says, that we live in a fallen, broken world, friends. Uh, when, when Danielle and I were in college, we were at this one-year Bible school in Windsor, Colorado, uh, we, we went to this gym we had never been to before. It was in this town we had never been bo- before. So we knew nothing about this place. But friends told us they had a swimming pool there, so we went. And we were the last people walking out of this gym. And we're, we're coming out. You can't even see into the parking lot because it's so dark outside. When this man comes up to the windows and starts pounding on the, on, on the windows saying, help me, help me, help me. And I remember there was a cleaning guy there, but he was like, no, we don't open the doors after dark. And I could just tell this man looked very disheveled. He did not look in his right mind. He looked like he was on drugs or something like that. And I said, I don't think, you know, we should get involved with this. But, but my wife, you know, we were in Bible school. She's like, I think we need to help this man. So we, we go outside, and really she goes outside, I kind of follow after, and uh, she's like, uh, sir, what, what's wrong, you know, how can we help? And he yells at her, I mean, he screams. He says, can't you see I've been shot? And he opens up his coat to show us apparently a wound. We couldn't see it, it was so dark outside. And before we know it, before she can even, Danielle can say anything else, the next thing I know, this man has pulled out a gun and is pointing it right at me. He's 20 feet or less uh, from me. And I expected in that moment for for him to pull the trigger and that to be the end. He didn't. He didn't pull the trigger. So I yelled, run. And we turned around and we fled. We're running through the city in the dark that we've never been before (laughs) in our lives. I I kid you not. I look back. This is the grace of God. We, We literally ran into a police car. 
This police car was pulling out, and we braked ourselves on the hood of this police car that pulled out right in front of us, who was pulling out of a police station. We, we just happened to run into a police station. And so we go into the police station, file the report. They end up arresting this man. But what was really haunting was what the police officer told me. He said, what you have to understand is uh, these, the, we have a group of people in our city. They live in something called a drunk house. That's what he called it, a drunk house, where these people would chip in their money. They would pay, have a roof over their heads, but all they would do is drink all day. He said, the person we just arrested, his brain is literally mush. He would have had no idea whether he was going to pull that trigger or not pull that trigger. It could have gone either way. And that was a sobering thought. I, we heard that. It just reminded us we live in a fallen and a broken world. Danielle got a new perspective on life. I got a new pair of shorts. And, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, and we, uh, you would have needed a new pair as well. And we realized that... Um, we need wisdom in life. God does not call you to be a fool. He doesn't call you to do... He, 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 in fact, he says this. This is Matthew ten sixteen. I love what Jesus teaches us. He says, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We are to be innocent, but we are also to be wise. You are to have a modicum of wisdom. You're not to walk down a dark alley at night, ladies. <laughs> okay? Having that kind of... That's, I want my kids to have a constructive fear in their life and realize these kinds of things. This is what Jesus teaches us. There are certain fears that are good and helpful in our life. However, there are destructive fears. That's the next blank, destructive fears. These are the fears we're talking about this morning. These are the fears that are useless, they're baseless, they're often not rational, and they are the fears that hold us back from taking calculated risks, taking the risks that God might ask us to take in this world. These are the risks that hold you back. These are the risks that paralyze you and rob you of the peace God wants you to have in your life. Okay? Thankful that men like Martin Luther King Jr., for example, didn't let destructive fears get in the way of, of his ministry. That, that he, he didn't remain silent or, or just gently allude to the topic of racism and segregation and recon the need for reconciliation. Rosa Parks would be another example. If we don't deal with our destructive fears, though, they'll hold us back. That's what we're talking about this morning. And so what I want to do is I, I want to give you three things that you can start doing. You can start putting these things into practice this morning, this week, and hopefully for the rest of your life to help you start overcoming fear, moving from fear into more peace. Here's the first thing we got to do. We got to understand the origins of our fears. Understand the origin of my fears. You know, there's a lot of research that shows the irrational, baseless, useless fears that many of us struggle with are actually traced back to something that happened to us in our past. Our childhood. There's a lot of research that shows that between the ages of 6 and 12 years old, those are the most formative years in, in your life. And if something happened, especially within that time period of your life, it can, it can hardwire you towards certain uh, fears. 
Many of you might remember when my good friend Adam Paul uh, spoke here earlier in the year on the topic of racism and reconciliation. And uh, he, he shared his story uh, that he first was conscious and aware of, of um, being treated differently in a negative way because of the color of his skin and being made fun of because of his Filipino heritage uh, when, when he was within that age range of 6 to 12. I know if you're a person of color here this morning, I, I know that that's a common period where people become aware of racism in their life. And that can haunt you. That can color the rest of your life. And my hope for you is if that's you this morning, that when you come to Edinburgh Church, this is a place where you can find healing. Amen? And my hope for you is this is a place where you can see that, that, that love can exist between people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Because we're told in heaven we're going to worship Jesus together. And I hope, my hope is that Edinburgh, even though we have a lot of work to do here and in our community, that this would be a picture of that for us. And I'm going to share something with you that uh, I've never shared before with you, church. Um, so just a, a fear, because I told you that one of my greatest fears is getting that phone call that something has happened to my kids. Something that haunts me. Um, that goes back to within that age range when I was between 6 and 12 years old. Uh, my sister and I were in this daycare, and my sister was about 7, and I was about 8, when an older man took advantage of my sister. And that break, it, it brought tra- you know, tragedy, uh, trauma into my sister's life, into my life, into my family's life. Um, a very traumatic experience sitting in a police station, having to identify a man who abused your sister, and then seeing that man walk through the police station in handcuffs, something they should have never done. And this is stuff that sticks with you, and it lingers, and it creates a fear in you, and it colors the way that you see the world. And some of it's constructive. Honestly, some of it has actually been constructive for my life. It's reminded me, we do live in a fallen, broken world, and we do need to protect our children. We we need to have some wisdom when it comes to where we let our kids go and what we let our kids do. Danielle and I will not let our kids go hang out at someone's house if we do not know mom and dad. I would say that's constructive. Fight for family. You guys like fight for family? I want you to know, fight for family was born out of your pastor's heart because of this. One of the classes, by the way, your kids will go through if they go through the Fight for Family milestones is we teach your kids proper boundaries for their life. Appropriate touch, what's not appropriate. We do it in a very appropriate way. We don't want to scare kids, but we do want them to understand we do live in a fallen, broken world. That's one of the milestones we offer here for your children. Born out of this past traumatic experience in my life, I believe it's very important. There are some constructive fears, but it can be destructive at the same time. Because I, I have a tendency to want to protect my kids and not let them do anything. You know, and if I'm not careful, I'm going to become that helicopter parent who watches over my kids 24-7 and never lets them take risks in this world. Well, if I do that, I'm going to pass my fears on to them. Are they going to be able to live out God's plan for their life? Probably not, because God asks us to take risks. So it can become destructive. So I've got to understand the origin of my fears so that I don't let it pass on to my kids and I don't let it hinder my life. And you're going to have to do the same. Think back. Is there something in my past that triggers why I have this fear today? Now, look at what Peter says in 1 Peter. Many of you will know Jesus said something very similar. He said this, 
For you have been born again. Born again. Uh, But not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God, which will never end. I want you to underline that part, though. You've been born again. What this means is, is, friends, one of the, the, the advantages of letting the Holy Spirit come into our life and be born again is it means you can change. If something happened traumatic in your past, it doesn't have to haunt you for the rest of your life. You can change. There's hope. We've been born again. The Bible says elsewhere, we become a new creation. So it doesn't happen automatically, but it means there's hope that we can begin to overcome these fears from things that have happened in our past. That's where it starts. I got to understand the origin of my fears. Here's the second thing I got to do. I got to replace the lies with truth. You might want to write that in. I got to replace the lies with truth. The Apostle Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Okay, here's what you need to know, friends. Um, The fuel of fear is deception. The fuel of fear is deception. It's lies. And what we've got to do is when a lie creeps in, we've got to replace that lie with the truth. You've got to do this. This takes intentional work and effort in your life. Let me give you a few ways that you can begin replacing the lies in your life with truth. It starts with just self-talk. Healthy self-talk. Telling yourself what is true. I'm telling you, every successful person in the world, businessman, athlete, has learned the power of self-talk. Because you say, that's kind of weird, talking to myself. You're talking to yourself all the time. It's just, it's usually the negative voice that you're hearing. It's the cynical voice that's talking to you. You've got to start talking back to that voice. (laughs) When uh, Many years ago, Danielle and I were at the Mall of America, and my kids wanted to go on that Ferris wheel. You ever seen that? There's a Ferris wheel in that, you know, where they have all the roller coasters in the middle. And I didn't think anything of it. I get on this Ferris wheel. It starts on the second floor. I think it goes up to like the top of the third floor. And we get to the top of the third floor and it stops. And I don't know what triggered it, but I think I was looking down like at the floor and I saw this guy. I mean, he was like this big and he was looking up and his face was like, wow, that's, that's up there. And friends, it freaked me out. I started having a panic attack in this little, you know, cart. (laughs) My kids and Danielle, they're sitting on the other side. And we're at the top of it just dangling because they're getting on other passengers. And my kids start rocking this thing. (laughs) I am freaking out. I am like, stop it. Stop it. And I'm grabbing onto the wall of this cart. And Danielle's like, honey, calm down. Calm down. I'm like, you calm down. You calm down. And I'm like yelling at my kids. I'm yelling. And I mean, the lie, like we are going to fall. We are going to die. That's what I was believing in that moment. Well, I had to start talking back. I had to start talking back. I had to start saying things to myself like, okay, this thing has been, you know, it's been running for over 10 years. They've never had an incident. I think we're going to be okay. But let's be honest. There's that, there's then the, the negative voice. For those of you who are more cynical in name, it just takes that 1% chance, you know. Now you know who you're talking to. 
Then I'm looking at my wife, and I'm looking at my kids, and I can even see other uh, people that are on the ride. They look like they're having a good time. They look like, so I'm like, look, everyone's enjoying themselves. This is supposed to be enjoyable. I'm talking truth to myself. They didn't quite do it. This one really helped. I was like, you know, the Mall of America makes a lot of money off these rides. They really don't want any bad press, right? They're going to take care of these rides, okay? So that helped. And friends, I'm not saying like it solved my anxiety. At least I stopped yelling at my kids. Right? I sat there straight, not wanting any movement. But I will tell you there was something else that, that I did say to myself that, that might sound a little morbid to you, but, but it did help. And it was simply this, you know, if this thing were to fall, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. My wife has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Logan and Michaela profess to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know where we're going. I mean, let's be honest. In America, the worst thing that can happen to you is you die and go to be with Jesus. True? They shouldn't be that way, though. The Bible teaches that going to heaven and being with Jesus is a reward, friends. And so if it comes to that, so be it. I'm going to trust you, God. Friends, that will give you peace. That will give you peace. So self-talk is something that we all need to do. Look at what uh, Proverbs 18.21 says. Words can bring death or life. What words are you allowing into your life? You speak in negativity, cynicism. You speak in life to yourself. Okay, let me give you a second one. Scripture. You place the lies with truth, first with self-talk, but you also need scripture. I encourage you every week to be in this book and to be reading the Bible, actually memorizing this book, because friends, this is truth. This is God's word. The Bible says it's living and active, and it can help you conquer uh, fears in, in your life. When I was younger and I had just become a believer, most of you know my story coming out of drug addiction. I did terrible things, terrible things. Some things that will still haunt me in the middle of the night, uh, even now. Um, but especially when I was a young Christian, um, you know, I just, I did not believe that God could love me in light of the things that I had done. I don't know if any of you were there this morning. I just didn't believe that God could forgive me and love me. So what did I think I had to do? I thought I had to earn his love. I, th- I thought I had to be good enough. I thought I had to work for it. And so I was working and working and working and trying to get God to love me, trying to get God to forgive me. Friends, you know what happens when you live your life that way? You exhaust yourself. You end up getting angry with God because you'll never get there. God's never going to love you that way. God's never said in his word, if you do enough, then I'll love you. I want you to hear this this morning. Friends, the Bible teaches, when I, when I started reading the scriptures, what I actually came to learn was God already loved me despite my sin, which is why he put people like King David in there who murdered a man and committed adultery and still showed grace to so that sinners like me would see that and say maybe God could show grace to someone like me as well. To to be quite honest with you, when I stopped listening to what certain Christians were saying, and I actually started listening to what God's word was saying, I found freedom. Because then I read about the Apostle Paul, who was also a murderer, having a man stoned in the streets, and that God used his life. I didn't think, there's no way God can use a person like me. Yet God used that life, used the Apostle Paul to be the greatest church planner that's ever lived. 
started reading the scriptures. I came upon Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Some of you just need to hear this this morning and let this wash over you. For by grace you have been saved. Friends, by grace. Not by trying to earn God's love, not by trying to earn God's salvation. It's by grace. You've, you've committed a sin, sure. You're feeling guilty about something this morning or ashamed of something, sure. But it's by God's grace. This is who he is. That you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift. It's the gift of God. This is who our God is. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. If you could earn God's love, you could walk around feeling pretty righteous about yourself. The Bible says, no, all of us are sinners. All of us fall short. But God gives us the free gift of salvation, not so that people look at you and go, wow, you're amazing, but so that people look at God and go, wow, that's a gracious God. Amen? Friends, that's the gospel. That's the good news. It's a free gift. You ever seen what a toddler, the mess a toddler can make in about an hour? And then you ever seen the mom following behind that toddler having to clean up all the mess? And it's exhausting. Do you realize that's who God is? He's like that mom following us around cleaning up our messes in life. Who loves us like that mom loves that toddler. Receiving God's salvation, receiving his grace, stop working for it. Friends, it's the easiest thing in the world to do. It's the hardest thing in the world to believe. Believing in God's grace, believing in his love is the hardest thing in the world to wrap our hearts and our minds around. But until you do so, you're not going to have the peace we're talking about this morning. Some of you need to let that land on you. I'd encourage you, go home, memorize Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Begin speaking that one over yourself. And I'll give you this last thing we can do to replace the lies with truth. We've got to just pray. Just prayer. John 14, 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's Jesus. He didn't give any caveats. He just said, if you ask it in my name, I'm going to do it. You ever been around people who pray like timid prayers? (laughs) I've been in circles with people who are praying and they're like, Lord, if it be your will, maybe you would consider... If not, it's all cool. Like praying for her husband to be healed. I'm like, do you love the man or not? (laughs) Just pray that he would be healed in Jesus' name. Friends, there's power in the name of Jesus. And we can change the fabric of reality through our prayers. That's why God gives us this ability to pray. Jesus said, Father, may your, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. How do we do that? We bring that down through prayer and change our reality. So self-talk, scripture, prayer, these are good ways to replace the lies with truth. So I understand the origin of my fears. I replace the lies with truth. Here's the last one. I got to face my fears, okay? Then now I got to face my fears. You got to actually step into it, friends. God never called you to remain and stay comfortable. If you don't step into your fears, you'll never grow as a person, You'll never be transformed. And I think most of us want to grow. I think most of us want to be transformed. The command that shows up the most in, in all of the scriptures, it's not turn from your sin. It's not even love your neighbor, even though that's, you know, the greatest commandment, love God and love your neighbor. The, the command that shows up in the scriptures more than any other command is the command, do not fear or do not be afraid. It shows up over 120 times in, in the Bible. And why that's kind of telling uh, and good news for us is because it, it tells us God knows we have fears. 
He knows we struggle with things. It means you're not crazy that you're struggling with a fear. You might be broken, but you're not crazy. We all struggle with fears. This is why God tells us so often to not be afraid. But just about every time he gives us this command to not fear, it comes with a promise. In Joshua 1.9, we see this promise. He's saying this to Joshua and the Israelites because they're going to have to face armies that are far more powerful than they. It'd be terrifying. But he says this. He says, this is my command Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God. Here's the promise. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Friends, do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God is with you? That he will help you? That he will give you the strength and the wisdom you need to step into your fears and overcome? I know somebody who um, struggled with being in in, in any kind of crowded space would have panic attacks if he was ever in a crowd. And uh, so he would try to avoid crowds. And then he just decided one day, no, 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 I'm going to stop avoiding the crowds. I'm going to go be in crowds. So he started going to ball games, concerts, started going to the mall, and just being around people to deal with his fear. Fifteen years later, he doesn't even think about it anymore. He steps into crowds. It's not an issue at all. I know this because the person I'm talking about is me. I used to be terrified of going into crowded spaces. And let me ask you this, friends. Do you think if I didn't deal with that fear and overcome that fear, do you think I might have a hard time being a pastor? Where I'm with you every Sunday? You know, they say the number one fear, by the way, is public speaking. Death is number two. I mean, people would rather die than have to publicly speak. I got to get up in front of you just about every week and talk. I love you, but you're a scary group. (laughs) You got to face your fears or you're going to miss out on the mission. You're going to miss out on the vision. You're going to miss out on the dreams and the plans God has for your life. That's how we, that's how we grow. And I, I, this morning as we close, I just want you to kind of sit back for a second if you could, and I just want something to wash over you. I'm going to read Psalm 23, and I want you to hear this this morning. So, so if you could, just maybe just sit back. Let Psalm 23 speak into your heart, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, you want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? You want to know that Jesus will be with you every step of the way here on earth, and when it's all said and done, he'll be there to take your hand so that you can live in the house of the Lord forever? It's a free gift. You just say, Jesus, I need it. I believe what you've done for me. Come into my life and clean up my mess 
so that I can do life with you, you can do life with me, and so we can spend eternity together. And friends, if that's you this morning and you want to make that decision, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So we can start battling and dealing with our fears together. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask us to bow our heads for a second. And just in your heart, between you and God, just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Jesus, clean up the mess that I've made. Jesus, come into my life. Teach me how to live. Teach me how to be courageous. Teach me how to be brave. Teach me how to overcome as you overcame. And Jesus, help me to follow you now for the rest of my life, to live the way you've called me to live. Lord, so I can fulfill the dreams and the plans you have for my life. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, hey, I love you. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something, okay? Can you just do me a favor? Everybody? I'm going to ask you all to pull out your cell phone. Give you a second. Pull it out of your purse. Pull it out of your pocket. Just pull out your cell phone. It's okay. I know this is church. You know, just don't be playing Candy Crush or whatever these games are. If you just made that decision, here's what I want you to do. If everybody's got their cell phone out. I, if you made a first-time decision, or maybe through Edinburgh's ministry, you've made a first-time decision in the, in the recent past here. Um, we want to get you a free resource that's going to give you helpful next steps to take in your relationship with Jesus. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If that's you, would you please text in, Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, to this number, 555 555- 888, text in yes, Jesus, and probably tomorrow, Monday, you're going to receive this free resource that's going to help you to know what to do to fall, take next steps and follow Christ. Everybody else, thank you for taking out your cell phone. <laughs> and now we're going to take communion. We're going to end, spend a little time in communion. This is a way for us to connect with Christ, to deal with our fears before Christ, to bring them to the light. And so we want you to do that. I'm not going to get back up here. We'll pass the bread, we'll pass the cup. You eat, drink whenever you're ready and use this time to connect your heart with God. Love you. Use this time to say, I love you, Jesus. Servers, you can go ahead and come down.